Hello and welcome. I'm Joel Martin, the host of the Morning Bell podcast. On today's podcast, Luke and I are joined by Nicole Hayes. Nicole is an award-winning author and writing teacher based in Melbourne, Australia. Her books include the young adult novels, The Whole of My World, One True Thing, and her latest novel, A Shadow's Breath. In 2016, Nicole co-edited an anthology of writing, From the Outer, Footy Like You've Never Heard It, with Alicia Sometimes, and A Footy Girl's Guide to the Stars of 2017. In the media section, we chat about the Russian film, Peculiarities of the National Hunt, The Handmaid's Tale, and Hinterland. For the topic, we talk about YA's evolution in tone, and we talk about prose questions, which I have within YA. As always, if you have any questions, you can contact me on my email, mailbox at thepenofjoel.com. Thanks, we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Luke Manley. Surprise, surprise. I decided to come back after He all. did decide to come back. Now, I did say last week that he was gone. I've Forever. hidden the body and no oh. one could find him. <laughs> but I'm sorry to say, well, happy, rather, happy uh, that Luke is back on the mic. Glad to have you, Luke. How have you been? Good. Good. How, it's been how, great. How has your holiday been? Oh, which part of it? I don't know. Tell me the most interesting that happened thing that happened to you in your holiday. Oh gosh, I wasn't looking for classification of how interesting. Yeah, it was. one to ten. Oh, one to ten. So if the ten, Where's the ten? being the lowest and one being the highest, because oh, we want to be contrarian, uh, what was the best experience um, you had? Did you go rally driving in Finland? Is basically I did not what go I'm rally asking. driving in Finland. See, I'm but disappointed. I enjoyed Finland without it. So <sighs> take away the cars. I was I was very happy there. It okay. was very very nice. Yeah. Um. I I was going to say I went rowing in Finland, but it was right after I exited Finland. So that was very nice, rowing on a rowing. rowboat, which I had never done before. On which lake, river, pond, paddling no pool? No. Um, it was next to Castle Viborg in Russia. Right. So they have a little like lake, lake with a oh. rowboat facility. Very nice. If you, very if nice. you get dunked in the lake, do you get hypothermia and die? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, even in summer, you're at risk yeah, of this, so... <laughs> Um, not on my, my standards, but everybody else might think so, yeah. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, it's good to have you back. Um, and as always, ladies and gentlemen, we have a guest, a special one for you today, Nicole Hayes. Thanks for coming onto the podcast. Thanks for having me. Lovely to have you. Um, so here's a question, guys. Um, what is the weirdest thing that's happened to you on public transport? I know it's good. It's like absolutely <laughs> got everything to do with writing. Okay. This is the segue we're going for here. So I, I had one of these things that happened to me this week and I love to hear your you know worst thing whether that be someone else you've seen or yourself doing it mine obviously is me um I'd like to pride myself that I'm semi-coordinated uh but it was one of those start stop train stops at a station and you're walking down you've got headphones on you can't really hear the the, the bell and you're going to take a seat and you reach over to put your hand on the, the the like railing and you swing yourself onto the seat but the train starts and you're facing the opposite direction <laughs> and you sort of embrace the person um, <laughs> sitting in the chair. Um, and this delightful Asian lady who uh, politely put a hand to my chest and pushed me away slowly, the police. smiling. Um, and I smiled back and awkwardly sat down. So that was what happened to me. Um, Luke, what? Uh, well, it wasn't quite so personal, but I, I, I still remember... Um, I think I can't remember what time it was. It was like five thirty or six in the morning when I had to go from 
way over the east side of Melbourne to get to work in the morning. Right. And oh, you get in the train. Everybody's kind of half asleep at that time. Yep. And just like standing because there's no room in the train. Yeah. And leaning into the emergency button. Oh, <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> that happened. And I get this right. I heard this voice behind me saying, uh, "What's the problem?" I'm like, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> and it goes on a couple of times. I'm like, <clears throat> "Just uh, <clears throat> lent on the button." Sorry. <laughs> so um, yeah, that was, um, that was right. <laughs> See, I've got it. I've got this massive fear. Of emergency buttons. Oh, now I do too. So I never stand anywhere <laughs> near them. Just well, there was no, absolutely no room in the train. Usually I don't stand yeah. next to them. Not like I look. I would look, cling on to like somebody's pants rather before. than sit next to <laughs> an emergency button. That's my fear. But now you've made it even worse for me. So, ah, I just want to go on a train. You're Nicole, welcome. how about you? Uh, well, you might not have noticed, but I'm I'm on, somewhat on the petite side. Mm. So clinging to things is an ongoing like none of those straps are anywhere near my reach it's just ridiculous like they mock me (laughs) um but you know never ask a woman the worst thing that's happened to her absolutely (laughs) because yeah but that's the only way i can go we i was about i think 15 or 16 when we had a flusher oh of course Mm, bunch of us and um yeah he had a lot of fun and we tried not to vomit uh, so right. That, yeah, but that's you know that has happened a couple of times now. There you go. <laughs> so that's killed that conversation. You, you well, yeah. can't ask me. I mean, it's a whole other experience. Public transport for us. Fantastic. Yeah. Public well, transport. maybe not so much. Um, <laughs> All right. Segueing. Segueing <laughs> 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 um, straight onward to the media section. I, I want to actually skip in on yeah. one of our once forgotten news sections because we have. Oh my goodness! Have, He's coming back and he's derailing brief. it already, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Right. A very, very small segment, but um, not to try and put favoritism on our um, people we keep up with from podcast. <laughs> but we have uh, Michael Pryor doing a release of a book tomorrow that we've um, heard a lot about. So, so gap, gap year in Ghost Town, right. um, which basically will be not. Useful information to anyone listening to this podcast because it'll happen next week. On exactly. Wednesday so if you did go, out. great. If you didn't go, you really missed out, and you should Just look up book. Michael Pryor next time. <laughs> I see how you turn that around there. Well I, done. That was that was planned. Very smart. Um, <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, Michael's book is coming out. Um, I'll be there. I will take a snapshot of Michael holding the book or something along those lines. Um, he's a great guest on our podcast. He's come back what like three times now. He was the very first uh, guest on our live podcast. Yes, um, he was. Oh wow. So Absolutely no favoritism. Strictly just great quality content. You know what I mean? Um, but buy his book. And if, and if anyone who's listening has news like that, you can always give it to us and we'll bring it up on the next podcast. Absolutely. So it's um, not favoritism. It's what we hear. Yes. <laughs> just keep digging. All right. Moving on to our media section. Uh, what we've been watching and... Uh, let's talk about it. So let's start with you, Luke. You've been away for a while. I'm guessing... It- the only things you'd have been watching are plain movies, which aren't exactly <laughs> top quality, but as you say, plain movies. <laughs> <laughs> but I did watch um, the Lego Batman, which doesn't make me sound childish at all. No, I've um, heard it's I fantastic. Did find, I did think that it was my favorite of all the Batman films. Maybe it's because right. it actually looked good in it. So right. I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, I thought it did a good job of rendering it. But again, I haven't followed the Batman. Story what was the humor like? Like very. Much humor is one of those things. Probably not. (laughs) It's very complex. It's probably very, very. Yeah. If there's anything like Superman, give up. Oh yeah. But um, no, it was it was definitely more complex than uh, all the other ones. Um, what was? (laughs) 
What was the humor like? Because humor is one of those weird things where it's either like a direct hit and it just hits all your buttons and it's fantastic, or you just it's just bad and you just well, don't like any of the jokes. Well, I don't know jokes, because or... it's funny. It started off really well, yeah, and towards the end, the humor kind of dipped towards the less slapstick. funny. Not as much slapstick, but just like it wasn't funny anymore. It was kind of like very obvious jokes, right? Um, the humor was a bit cheap, but it started off really. I thought it started off really well. But isn't that kind of how comedies work? Like they they load it up the front, yeah, up the front. Probably, and then it, yeah. then it becomes about story and not often not so not so effectively because <laughs> the yeah. like the gimmick sort mm. of gets old towards the end, yeah. right? Yeah, something like that. Ever, yeah. Anybody watch Mask? You know the Jim Carrey movie back in what nineteen hundred years ago? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was. I think I can remember. I I love that movie. Um, and was that comedy. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What it was. It was very I don't know. Creepy. I haven't seen it. It was very creepy comedy. <laughs> yeah, I found it creepy more than. Funny. It was pretty creepy. Mm. Um, the creepo meter was definitely there for him, but I mean, that's all Jim Carrey movies, honestly. Yeah, really. um, that's true. But the oh, the song, the dance, it was all top quality. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, th- that's one of my examples. It's like Mask was one of those things that had all its jokes right at the start, and you got the gimmick and mm. you got all that, but by the end, you know, it just it tailed off. So I could. I could see that happening for sure. A lot of people have told me to watch the Lego Batman movie, Luke, and I've said it, I'm sure I'll You're watch it one on day. It. You're working on it. Yeah, I'm working on it. Um, like the Harry Potter book, which uh, I have still on chapter two. How many cha- oh. Just one, the yeah. first one. Yeah. It's really? First, yeah, it's taking my him a foray. It's taking a very long time. Oh, a month ago, Nicole, I picked up the book and I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to read right. the first one. And I got two chapters in and, you It's know. the shortest one and it's the quickest to read. I know. Like... It's really light and it's easy compared to, to the into. others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's also funny. Like the others it aren't quite so funny. Yeah, you see, I just, it's one of those things with the humor thing, right? It just. That you don't have <laughs> I don't have it. Yeah. What is jokes? Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know why. I just didn't <laughs> skip to it number does have to work, doesn't it? four. Then you lose I just that. can't. I can't no. do that. No, you can't do that. I can't do that. <laughs> I'd never do that. If he doesn't want the humor, you skip to like, what, four or five? Mm. Yeah. It starts getting a bit less. Humorous, yeah, but then I just heard it just <laughs> gets really dark, right? It does like, get it just very gets dark, super yeah. dark. I mean, that's that, that, that'd work, right? I mean, not really, <laughs> like, complex, like yeah. I like C.S. Lewis, right? Like, his, his books are really light and fluffy, and you know, but I don't know, we'll see. I'll, I'll report back. I remember saying this, you'll finish it I'll, three I'll weeks ago and be like, on the next podcast, I'll tell you what I think about Harry Potter. Not that anyone cares, we'll, we'll start making it. What did you think of chapter three? You <laughs> chapter three, right? <laughs> Working on Pace it, yeah. <laughs> I'm halfway through chapter three, it's only four pages. <laughs> It's really, it's really, really taking a lot out of me. I can't believe you could open that book and not just want to devour it. I don't Finish understand. It, yeah. I did. I devoured language. an entire chapter and then <laughs> fell asleep. That's not quite what I I'm, meant. Okay. Well, I'm working <sighs> on it, Nicole. I, yeah. yeah. One day. Um, anyway, anything else, Luke, that you've watched? Um, I watched a few cultural films. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. I watched films. Uh, they're <laughs> done by a Russian studio, but also um, also foreign films. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> another language <laughs> no, 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 that makes no, no. it cultural. They were also also aimed at. Um, uh, what's the word? I've forgotten the word. It's a play on the culture of like um, post-Soviet or Soviet times. Like a farce. Post-Soviet, yeah. Uh, it's like a farce on post-Soviet okay uh, lifestyles. Um, and this one in particular that I was going to bring up was Peculiarities of the National Hunt. And what, they, what happens is uh, a Finnish guy goes to, to Russia and he's, he wants to go hunting. So he finds a bunch of... Oh, he's, he's taken aboard with a bunch of... 
Oh, he's writing a book about na- hunting in Russia. Okay. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Bit. You yeah. weren't watching, right? I, well, <laughs> I didn't see a book, but I don't remember. Yeah, anyways. Um, yes, that's the corrections off on the side there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Audience but, uh, interaction. <laughs> but no, so he's... Um, anyway, he... Yeah, he's, sure, he's writing a book, but he, he, get, he gets along with um, a bunch of Russians who are off, off to go on a hunt. Mm-hmm. And the story then follows their various methods of what we would also term as fishing. So, drinking vodka, ah. um, having experiences yep. with vodka. Pain uh, dentists. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. thing. But uh, no, much more, much better than the um, <laughs> the general American and Australian um, drinking videos I've seen. Right, much more interesting um, version of culture there. So weird, interesting. Lots of quotes, for instance. Okay, <laughs> quotes and quotability, and um, so drunk philosophy is basically yes. what you're saying. Drunk philosophy, the best kind. Oh, and that's yeah. that's actually what I would take out as Russian hunting. What were they actually meant to hunt? Like, what was it they were looking for? Deer, elk, Humans? anything oh. out in the yeah, they were okay. out, out in the wild. So, wouldn't yeah. it have turned dark if they end up just the the whole point was they were going to hunt humans? <laughs> That'd be great. I think that's a different movie. But that's right. why it's not the Russian. Maybe culture. that's why I didn't like Harry Potter. <laughs> Isn't that the Revenant? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably. Yeah, but that yeah. Focusing on the Russian culture, it's the drinking and like the the yeah. philosophizing while drunk kind of things. So sounds about right. Very interesting. interesting. Very w- very worth a watch. There's a it's available with subtitles. It's quite it's quite famous as, <laughs> far, as, I, as far as I know. So. Sorry, I just for a minute thought the implication was that we would actually otherwise watch it in Russian. Obviously, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, right. are you suggesting subtitles? Oh, oh I, I know it's a bit subtitles lazy, but so I yesterday. tend to prefer my films in English, at least you know, yeah. on one in one form or another. Yeah, <laughs> I'll agree with that. Um, fantastic, Nicole. What have you been watching? I talking dark. Mm. I um, uh, I don't know if you guys have talked about this yet or have watched it, The Handmaid's Tale. Have you? I have not watched it yet. Right. I feel like everyone should have just watched it. Mm. I don't understand why everybody hasn't just shut out the world and yeah, just, just locked like themselves in for a couple of days yeah. and binged. Yeah. It's, um, it is, I'm going to go out there. It is the best piece of television I've ever seen. Ooh. Flat out, no question. When you say binged, it's a TV series? Yeah, it's 10 episodes. And in fact, there's going to be another a second season. It's based on the Margaret Atwood yeah. novel, The Handmaid's Tale, um, that was written in 1984, and it's that's a pretty standard text in a lot of schools. I think sort of post then. I didn't read it until I was in my 30s, but mm. um, I've read it multiple times. It's actually in my top five books ever. So I did approach it with some dep- trepidation, yeah. as you do with with Something books that, that you feel like really yeah. closely yeah. Um, connected to. Um, it's exquisite. So it's very, very dark. It's a dystopian novel, a dystopian um, kind of semi-religious and it's very near future. So it's sort of a few years in um, Mm. and it's America, but it's now called the Gilead or Gilead. And these religious extremists have taken over, these fundamentalists, and it's in a time where fertility has dropped and Mm -hmm. virtually um, disappeared women. Uh, I think one in five babies survives, or one in, and ve- very few women are, are able to get pregnant. And so women um, become this property as breeders, basically. Mm-hmm. And there are there are the women who are married to the elites, and then there are the women who are breeders who are brought in as handmaids, basically to service the elite men. Um, 
It's not exactly. I mean, it's beautifully shot. The cinematography is exquisite. The writing is sharp and just glorious, like really amazing. Um, The fact that it's quite a short novel Mm. and yet it's 10 episodes. So some of the extra backstory that was incorporated, um, the main character is Offred, which is of Fred is the name of her um, commander. And all of the women are are named, all of the um, handmaids have that of whoever they're living with. Mm. The novel's all through her point of view, whereas with the TV series, you're able to go to one of her friends, some of the other handmaids, um, even the um, commander and his wife. You have these different points of view um, and more about what happens to her family. Do they ever go into the wife's point of view, the commander's wife's point of view? Because I remember she was quite an interesting character in the book. She's a really interesting character. Um, Yeah, we do have some, yeah. So basically Mm. in this retelling, and I don't remember this in the book, but she's one of the architects of this new structure. Right, originally, okay. And then becomes entirely disempowered because women have no... Yeah, I don't think that was in the... No, so yeah. and I thought that was a really Little changes, nice yeah. twist. I mm. really liked that she basically built this world that then removed all power from her. Um, it's outstanding. Highly yeah. recommend it. It is incredibly harrowing and very difficult to watch, I think, especially for women. Um, it just feels mm. too real and too believable um, and it doesn't feel that far off from a Trump world. Um, mm. So, But I highly recommend it. Yeah, I've I've mentioned this on the podcast a couple of times and my age keeps changing because I can't remember precisely the date. But yeah, that was one of those books that I read fairly early at what, like 10, 11. The Handmaid's wow. Tale was the book the bookseller recommended to me. He said, you'd love this. Um, <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was a really uh, obviously different novel to what I'd read before. And yeah, I, I re- would consider that one of my first like, you know, proper dystopian novels that really um, affected uh, me. Um, yeah, didn't they make a film of that along with um, Robert Duvall in it? Yeah, I think so. I haven't actually seen the film. Um, I heard it's not as good. No, no. Sure. I, I, I would... Honestly, it's one of the best pieces. Even if you haven't read the book and right. you don't have an association, I feel like it's one of the best pieces of television. It's beautiful to watch. It's harrowing. Um, really have to pace yourself. That's you know, as much as I want to just sit and watch back to back, I'd have to walk away. That kind of content, and breathe, yeah. and just kind of remember. It's very heavy. Yeah, and you know what's the most important thing about it? I think when she wrote that in 1984, or she wrote it in 83, every single aspect of that society mm. existed somewhere in the world. So none of it was actually fiction. It, it effectively yeah. she put it all into one society, but none of it was far-fetched at all. It was all happening somewhere mm. and it's still happening today. Mm. So really, really powerful stuff. Yeah. the it, who Who's currently streaming that? It's only one service SBS in Australia. Online. Oh, SBS Online. SBS Online yeah. on there. So yeah. anyone can watch it. It's yeah. free. There you go. I thought I saw it on Netflix. Must I, on no, Netflix it's anymore. not on Netflix. No, it's definitely SBS Online. I'm, I'm watching it again. I just started watching it again. So no. it's... Um, still out there and still available and free to air which is very nice fantastic um i believe for american views that would be on hulu or it was um, on hulu i think yeah it's been on for a while there yep i think it was on a few months ago. great um well i've only got one to talk about this week and that's hinterland a bbc tv show um one of uh my guilty pleasures crime dramas um bbc crime dramas that is and Hinterland is set in Wales, uh, so it's a place of some um, interest to me, and so that um, that show was quite uh, powerful because I got to see the place I really love. Um, 
uh, depicted on screen really well. And as you'd expect, set in Wales, it's dour and miserable, and everyone's miserable, and life sucks, and it's, and it's yeah. raining, and I'm like, this is great television. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, like I said, Hinterland's one of those shows that's very bleak. Um, some people describe it as a uh, crime noir uh, style. It's definitely modern noir uh, in the way that it um, focuses in on the emotions of the main characters of the show, primarily the main character, the detective, uh, and his troubled, you know, obviously troubled backstory. And, um, yeah, the show the show is very, like most BBC crime dramas these days, it's very slow-paced, slow burn. If you like that kind of pacing, stuff like Wallander and all that kind of stuff, um, or maybe Broadchurch, you'll, you'll like um, Hinterland. It's definitely one on the smaller scale compared to the other two shows. And um, I, I don't know if uh, Earl Living's a, a previous guest on the podcast mentioned it, but it's a uh, bilingual show. So it, so it um, is shot, but uh, a scene is shot in Welsh and in English. So they do one um, uh, filming of it in English and then again in Welsh. And it's ad BBC Wales just in Welsh. Um, and it's, yeah, it's one of those shows that's really hard to keep watching you need to really just watch one episode and be like all right i'm done for today it's it's not one of those things where it's like and then next episode and next episode because at the end you'll just you know it's just miserable um (laughs) but i think that the thing that really captivates me about the show is the way that the film uh, the series is shot so the cinematography is very deliberate um the lighting is very deliberate um and it's it's a very picturesque kind of uh, show, um, mm. and there's these long pregnant moments of silence between characters when they speak. They say something, and there's there's a lot of characters looking at each other, but it's not in the way that you would think and make it camp or you know a bit silly. It's just yeah, those moments of silence I think is where you can see the acting quality just you know fantastic. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I hadn't seen any of these people in any other shows, so um, uh, definitely. Uh, Welsh actors and yeah it's it's fantastic I think everyone should watch it Hinterlands um, on Netflix it'll, it's on BBC um, you'll be able to get that there so that's what we've been watching ladies and gentlemen um, let's move on to our topic um, and now we've talked about YA Bunch uh, this year and us going off to Somerset and talking to the authors there was a great experience um, be able to canvas opinions and see where the uh, trends are um, one of the podcasts that I can name off the top of my head that we talked about on a similar topic was with uh, Mark Smith um, and talking to him about um, the transferability of media and particular YA fiction that is written in Australia. Can that transfer over internationally and how is that? Um, and I'm also interested in uh, how YA has changed or has evolved, I guess, because you know, when I when I think of when I was younger and reading books, I didn't I didn't really assume there was a YA section, right? I just didn't read YA. Um, it just sort of skipped from children's and then went to adults, and that sort of you know bridged the gap <laughs> for me. You know, um, so the YA genre is something that I'm not. Su- I wasn't brought up on, and I don't think you were either. Me, I went from like young kids to YA. I'd skip the kids stuff. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was you in YA done for a the long grown-ups. time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's these different experiences, and a lot of 
it, it's interesting to me because when I think back on like early way, I think about um, that those kinds of tie-in media that I remember, like the Star Wars books and you know that kind of stuff. Like that stuck out mm. to me. Um, but before that, I I can't really remember a lot of um, distinctly um, young adult books that are designed for that age group. Um, so I'm interested in see where the um, where that's come today and also we'll probably have a conversation on prose um and my personal biases on that and and where we stand there and uh, talk about audience expectation what people assume and they think of why that kind of stuff um so let's just start off with trends and nicole you've um you're involved in this kind of writing quite a bit as well mm-hmm. um you know where as a history lesson <laughs> for you anyway yeah. a personal journey like where do you think that YA genre has come um, okay, so you've had Danielle Binks on here before, yeah, haven't have. you? Yes, and uh, she's a good mate of mine. Um, she would object to the word genre straight mm. away. So there is a big divide in the genre, in the YA world, or not so much a divide, but a, a, a sort of a philosophy that it's not a genre. Yeah. It's a readership. Sure. Um, mm. Because it crosses all genres and it is not sort of one singular voice. It's, um, in fact, that's what makes it so great. Mm-hmm. So as a as a but I the word is easy to you to refer to. Yeah. Um I my first novel young adult novel was published only 4 years ago. Um however, I was trying to be published for about 15 before that. And uh so I have watched the way um I think the the most obvious shift and it I think even more just in the last 3 or 4 years it's increased is how um it's getting a lot darker. Mm. Um, I think the international YA titles, the brands, even um, the stuff that's backed by the big marketing and the the multi format things yeah. that have films and TV shows made from them or have that level of marketing do dominate the market, and it's sure. very difficult for a local Australian author to cut through with all of that noise. You just can't compete with the John Green or a you know a Thirteen Reasons Why or anything that gets um, a big platform like TV or film, um, and so. But having said that, a lot of this very last couple of years even, um, I've seen it increasingly become darker and grimmer and dealing with pretty challenging issues, issues that perhaps – I mean, Australia is probably a little bit more conservative even than America when it comes to young adult fiction. Not in other um, writing, I don't think, but in YA they are. And I think that's largely driven by the fact that schools are such a big part of the Mm. young adult market and they tend to be a bit more conservative than – you know, the, sure. than the commercial reader. But um, why would the, you say it's getting darker? Like, what what do you think is driving that? Um, I think what's well, I think everything's <laughs> getting darker. Like all the TV we watch, all the films that we watch, and so mm-hmm. why would young adult be any different? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's just this idea of um, pushing the envelope of moving into spaces that perhaps we haven't been, or feeling like you're challenging ideas, and that does take you to. So it does tend to up the anti where violence is concerned it ups the anti where sex is concerned and to do something new and different does tend to take you into those spaces mm. that are not necessarily um well, not anymore, rated. Eh? yeah <laughs> it's more emotive as yeah, well yeah it so. is it's it is a focus on that i mean there's still that lighter fi- kind of nicer to the john greens stuff yeah. um even the david levithan and rainbow rowell and but um in terms of, but if you look at the stuff that's getting made into films, um, it's either dystopia or it is, you know, the 13 reason why, 13 reasons why. So something to do with suicide, um, drugs, um, self-harm, mm. those sorts of 
uh, I think there's an anorexia one, mm. skinny, I think is coming out. So a lot of those really significant mental health issues around that plague young people have become the focus. And I think invariably you go dark when you're exploring that area, I think. I don't think you have to, but it does seem to be the way. Just a um, (coughs) social commentary. I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that the the Cold War ended a while ago, so a lot of the like post-war pleasantries and happiness kind of no, maybe post-war, not not like the end of the war. I mean, like a lot of sort of calm and peaceful novels could have come round about the end because they're like, ah, now we we can focus on peace now. Well, then we had the Cold War, right? That's what I mean, the Cold War. After that, then, I mean, obviously we had uh, several different stages of literature. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to um, call up all of them right now. Pass it all together. Maybe now because it's slowly turning a bit darker again. Mm. We're dealing with social issues a lot more or rather social issues have become the... More of a focus than the... Yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe, I, maybe. It's it's interesting that, you know, and, you know, you mentioned a few things there, um, like suicide, mental health mm. issues, drugs. Um, would you say that because either, you know, the attention is being turned on these things by, um, by just sheer numbers or a lot of reports, and we're hearing this in the public consciousness a lot more, children are more exposed to that, um, young adults are exposed to that, that's reflected in the, in the, in the writing. Um, it's it's curious because I think um, from my point of view, the looking at looking at YA and like reading into the genre, you've got like you said, it's 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 not really a genre. It's a it, you know it operates under a, vo- a very broad spectrum of different things. But I suppose from the way I look at it, there's some defining characteristics about sure. the way it's written. Um, what what do you think make those characteristics universal in what you would term as YA, right? Well, I mean, on, on the most basic level, it's usually this, it's a story about a young person. Yeah. And the young person is Identifiable. central to the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, often it's in their voice, or mm. it's, it, but the focus is absolutely on a young person. So that's, I mean, that's probably the one rule that you can safely say is all YA fiction is the young person is sure. central to the story. Mm. Um, I beg to differ but maybe it's because i went to uh, well because a lot of the literature i was reading um i call it literature my wife will frown at me was (laughs) the star wars um extended universe stuff and a lot of it focused on say han solo and leia when they were adults Mm. and they had kids which you would sort of see coming in and out of the stories but it focused a lot on the older characters as well i would still call it young adult or at least aimed at young adult readerships for sure was it well yeah, it was it was usually not. the teenage. I mean, audience. the same series. Yeah. The same series yeah. would also focus on some of the kids later on, but mm. it would kind of blend in the two. So I, I, think, I think that's a little bit different, though, because it is, it's it is it's, different it's because sure. it's expanding a universe, right? Yeah. A universe that children might enjoy, mm. and so they want to see the other characters in the universe, mm. right? Oh, just what I'm saying is like, there's yeah, still sure. a mixture. It's not always focused on, uh, in my, from my understanding, it's not always focused on. Uh, it mm. is. I think for if you went to a publisher and said, "I want to write an yeah. adult," that would be one of the criteria. That. That's yeah, pretty much. Um, so I think when yeah. you've got, and also I think when you've got a product that's already out there and mm. has a brand, mm-hmm. you know, that will appear. the spin-off stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it's that's it's probably a different like it's it's its own genre almost. yeah star wars is its own thing yeah. hmm. and so those and sort of adaptations of, of of products that are already in existence they probably are their own thing too mm. but I, if you're coming from original stories 
that fit that young adult spectrum. Um, I would beg to differ again. <laughs> okay, go on. Um, the, right. the Iron Druid This time Luke's the contrarian, the, the not Iron me. The Iron Druid Chronicles is quite a young adult series, and it's based on a, well, you can go 3,000-year-old character, but um, he appears around 26 or something like that. Right. And it's definitely not aimed at I think, adult, adult authors. So if I were to be the actually guy in this uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I, for me, I've only read the first book, so mm-hmm. you know I'm not that educated on the series. Um, but from what I've read of it, it's very much in the speculative fiction, like fantasy vein. And I think within fantasy, even if it's aimed at young people, there's like sort of a different expectation, right? Like, um, oh, so we're talking about young adult outside yeah, of fantasy? I, I, well, I mean, even young adult <laughs> books in fantasy, like dystopian universes, like, you know, the... Mm. the um, what is that? Hunger Games, Hunger Games uh-huh. series. You know, that that kind of stuff. That's what, in my brain, that I would classify as YA. The Iron Druid Chronicles. We using YA as a um, genre, though. Well, as a category. Te- in terms of yeah, <laughs> it's catering a towards of that. Category, it is a category yeah. of readership. Yeah, and when we're looking at readership, we're still looking at... So you would classify the Iron Druid Chronicles as catering towards a YA readership? Really? Yeah. Interesting. 100%. Yeah, the way the humor works, yeah. everything, like the way the character mm. reacts to people. Um, I'm just saying that I don't think the blanket mm. of young characters falls on every... Do you think that, that depends on the genre then, Nicole? Like, well, I think you... probably spec fic is different, kind of its own beast, because it has so, it bleeds over yeah. so many different readerships and it it's sort of its own thing mm. in many ways. Um, so possibly in that scenario... I. Pretty much guarantee you won't have a 26-year-old contemporary fic and someone to try to call it YA mm. um, for, you know, somebody who's a... You, you have given me there the is challenge. The university. <laughs> yeah. the contrarian. <laughs> yeah. There is a... I mean, it is the university level. Um, and they're even trying to give it a new name. Mm. I mean, not new. The, the, that notion of new adult. Oh, um, yes. Which yeah, is never yeah. really taken off and I don't think it will. Which is basically YA with it's sex. A, like, yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. more sex. It's like adultified YA. Yeah. Like even more adult. With a focus on romance. So it doesn't even really cover all the, the spectrum. Yeah. So... Um, of what is traditionally YA. Look, I think, I mean, you know, I don't even know who reads YA, to be absolutely sure. There's a, a big argument that there's an awful lot of women my age reading it mm. who have daughters who are supposedly the readership, but actually the mothers are reading it. Yeah. Um, I love YA. It's not all that I read, but I read it purely for pleasure. Yeah. Um, mm. So, you know, I do it for research as well, but there's some great stuff in there that I can really get my teeth into. So it, it appeals to me on a certain research level. Research shouldn't be hard, should it? Or shouldn't, shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't be enjoyable should as well. Shouldn't be enjoyable, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and for the most part, it's not to say everything is. And no. there's definitely, definitely a diversity in the quality mm-hmm. and in mm. terms of um, how it speaks to and reaches out to readers and what they ask of the reader. There's there's that as well. So, um, so let's focus in on that because I just mm. saw a potential for a segue there and... You know, like a hungry crocodile that smells blood. I saw the eyes light Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, I've got something planned. <laughs> Let's talk about, you mentioned quality. Let's mm. talk about prose. Uh, this is a this is one of those niggles for me that it, it, in some ways I should be following Sturgeon's Law in the, in the fact that, you know, 99% of everything is crap. You shouldn't look at a genre and say like, oh, like, you know, these are things. Why does this genre have that? And that was in terms of fantasy. And I think that applies to, to a lot of other genres. But the interesting thing is I think, uh, from from again, this is coming from a place of um, ignorance, simply in the genre and not growing up with it. Mm. Um, so the appreciation levels are very different here. I look at it more like an academic study than I do of a of an enjoyment thing. Um, 
so I don't get that that same sort of thing out of it. Obviously, from like trying to read Harry Potter, um, the audience have that's, just alienated like you know fifty percent. Yeah, yeah that, that's children's. Yeah. It's, apparently, it starts children's it and then grows with them. Yeah, with Radio Harry, basically. It it's, it's a smart growing. idea. It's right. Very smart. Um, so yeah, like in terms of prose, prose is one of those things that I I I love. I really like books that have rich. Um, edifying prose to something that makes you think and that can push um, push your knowledge further. Um, and it was one of those things that, like, if you read, you know, The Handmaid's Tale, for instance, uh, bring it back to that, um, it's really well written. It was one of those books that, obviously, it's not technically YA. I read it quite young. But um, it was one of those books when I read, I was like, the, the writing's so rich, right? She's amazing, Margaret. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of other authors that operate... Uh, and though I wouldn't classify them in, in terms of that um, readership as YA, like Alan Garner and, and people like that, the writing is almost central to the work. Um, well, it's literary fiction. Yeah, in in, in some that ways, I problematic suppose. Problematic word. Yeah, it, in some <laughs> ways it's literary fiction, but in my mind it's just, it, it's one of those bridging the gap kind of uh, writers. Um, it's a bit like, you know, saying that any writer that's any good at what they do eventually gets pushed into the category of literary. Uh, but in my mind, I think of literary as a genre in and of itself with its own conventions. Um, yeah. And, and in terms of like reading Alan Ghana and stuff like that, even though it's designed for, for younger people and like reading it, you know, you've got that transferability where people get out of Harry Potter, no matter how old they are, they still enjoy that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so yeah, in terms of prose, that sort of diversity, I think, just from from outside looking in, doesn't seem to be as evident in my mind, right? Like, the prose is generally, um, well, I don't think it's bad. I just think it's not, it's not pushing the readership in any particular direction. What do you think? I completely disagree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, sure, there's some that's, that's fairly simple and serves mm. it up to you there's no doubt about that yeah. um the light and fluffy that's just like in any um readership in sure. any l- fiction um but there's high quality literary ya no doubt about it so it um locally i would say kath crowley um mm-hmm. fiona woods simone howe the the i mean it's might might not seem complex but you know my favorite book in the world is the road by cormac mccarthy which is the oh, yeah. cleanest simplest purest <laughs> yeah, yep. language there is there's nothing complex about his structure it is his just prose is fantastic beautiful, yeah. but it's sparse and it's clean mm-hmm. and so i you know given that that's something i go back and read all of the time it's one of my go-to books um although every time i finish reading it i curl up in a ball and throw out the whole idea of ever writing Talk again about because bleak. the perfect yeah. book has already been written <laughs> yeah. but um so and i so i have a very low tolerance for for bad writing frankly yeah. and there's a whole slew of great um, literary. I mean, really enjoyable, but also challenging, asking more of the reader. But I think the thing, as a writer, of, I write mm. for adults and young people as well. Yeah. Um, writing for young people is way harder, like oh, yeah. way harder, because I I have multiple layers. I have to. I am writing for the teacher who might or might not choose my book for a list, the yeah. librarian who will or won't recommend it to a kid, to the publisher um, who will decide whether how to market it. Yeah, how but it mostly fits. I'm t- aiming for that 15 or 16-year-old girl. Yeah. And to do to be able to perform have a sentence, mm. do multiple things for all of those people or have a paragraph or a story that resonates on all of those levels at least an opening yeah 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 <laughs> it's really really challenging and the craft that goes into that 
and you know, I teach writing as well. The craft mm. that's required to make that work and to to um, operate on those many sure. levels um, is is really quite extensive and quite um, high level. So, but also just beautiful. There's yeah. some beautiful writing there. Um, I think David Levithan's a beautiful writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's um, and, and now I'm going to run out of options. Have you read my book? <laughs> you probably haven't. <laughs> I haven't. Yeah. No, but but know, I have read. Um, your non-fiction piece, which I guess doesn't transfer it. No, that's all right. <laughs> right, but the, I mean, even, you know, I don't know, what, you know, where mine fits in the world, yeah. but in terms of how I was told my book, you know, from a, my publisher, from, from um, it's called Quality Literary mm. YA. So yeah. it's definitely a thing. It might not be the stuff that sells very much. <laughs> <laughs> I can attest to that. But you're the exception to that, Nicole, obviously. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Um, but it is, you know, it's absolutely there. It's part, just in the same way that literary fiction in Australian fiction is the smallest corner, apart from those, um, you know, award winners. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very small part of the market. Most of it isn't. It, you know, it's the genre fiction that tends to um, tends to sell. Having said that, there's great, there's really high quality genre fiction, literary fiction as well in the YA world, just like there is in the mainstream readership. So hmm. it's just, you've just got to keep looking. And I think, you know, there are particular names and award winners are a good sign, not always, but a lot of those, they tend to be of a particular standard. So, um, but even writing, just writing a good story is hard. Yeah. And there's a lot of craft that goes to that. And I think we're a little dismissive of it if the language isn't complex. Yeah. So finding clean, pure, simple language that conveys a story in a compelling way is hard and mm. demands a lot, I think, of the reader and the and the writer. So mm. Yeah, absolutely. Luke. What do you what? You have something to ask. I saw your eyes. Yes, I was going and to I ask. interrupted you to tell <laughs> ask you to tell your point. There you go. Um I was just wondering uh, if you have any specific examples of a way that um, the young adult can push someone forward, for instance? Because I, I have a general idea of it, but I haven't I haven't um, thought it through very much. So what what kind of to ways push like like uh, push forward, uh, like to push your understanding of the world forward, or like your um, uplift you or something specifically? Um, well, I think there's a whole lot of stuff right now um, in the own voices space, um, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. which I'm, most of the listeners would be familiar with the own voices movement, I imagine. Um, and in the young adult, it's be particularly potent right now. There's a lot of great stuff coming out. So mm. in terms of um, something like The Hate You Give, um, which is really deals with racism in a very challenging way. Um, it's a beautiful piece of writing too. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the uh, intellectual and um, diversity. So things like, um, I think it's I Give You the Sun and um, David Groth, who's an Australian, uh, Darren Groth, who's an Australian writer. Um, and I can't forget that I can't think of the title of this book. It'll come to me in a minute. <laughs> um, there's, he's got a new one coming out, but the most recent one, um, that, oh, was, was that about a year or so ago? It came out, I think, the same time as mine. We competing for the same awards a lot of the time. Um, and he won a lot of them, and he should too, because it's really good. But, you know, talking about intellectual diversity mm. and, and um, difference, um, and, you know, difference of all kinds. I think that that's where a lot of the challenging stuff and really thoughtful mm-hmm. work is happening. Um, just hearing from different voices and people from, you know, different cultural backgrounds. There's a whole lot of. Um, I don't know, just it, I guess the things we just haven't heard enough about and there's an honesty and an authenticity and a rawness about it that's 
quite challenging, I think, for young readers in particular who maybe have been kind of um, gently, gently a lot of the way, mm. um, being confronted with some pretty harsh realities about what it is like for some people in this country or in this world, really. Uh, they're yeah, international yeah. titles, mm-hmm. a lot of them. I'm, I'm curious um, because I only ever stuck to the fiction. Um, never really went to anything that anything that said that it was going to teach me something. Um, what kind of readership would books like those have, like for among young adults? Like, would it be really big, or is it fairly average? For it's good kind of um, healthy numbers. Wait, or? wait, you can only that won't learn anything. You don't learn anything from fiction. Oh no, I learned. To, I mean, like, I don't I, go for the books that the tell me is. they're going to teach something. Right. I go right, for the okay. books that yeah. have like an adventure <laughs> or like an. Nice <laughs> <laughs> no, no. like, that's where all that's the an entirely different conversation. Yeah, yeah. Fiction is where the reality. That's where people feel free. That's where people learn empathy. That's why I don't like nonfiction. Yes. That's, that's, that's right. Area, yeah. That's yep. a, but no, no, sorry. <laughs> I mean, the ones that tell me they're going to teach yeah. me something, I kind of like uh, veer away. But what, what kind of readership? Well, do you think this those is the have? thing. Well, the hate you give is massive. It's probably the biggest. Mm. I think it's the number one bestseller on the New York Times at the moment for YA. Oh, that, that's so here's the well. thing: these voices, these um, own voices stories. Yes, they're finally being given a platform. Yes, they're challenging people. They're selling through the roof. Hmm. There's such a hunger for these difficult and challenging ideas. Young people aren't stupid. They're looking around hmm. and they're seeing. Not everybody looks like me. Not everybody acts like you. We, you know, they are more in, in touch with diversity and um, issues around diversity than we are. We, I, than I, you know, we <laughs> probably, I'm probably a different generation to you. But, you know, then certainly my generation has been. Um, we're catching up. We're trying our best to catch up. But young people are amazing when it comes to being able to see through the bollocks that we've been told for so long, you know, that, that all things are equal and this is a, play, a level playing field. So yeah. I think that they're demanding it and it's selling through the um, rightly so. Um, one of the one of the things Thanks. that I've noticed speaking to a couple authors at Somerset, and getting an idea of um, things that people look for, and especially young people look for, and the idea of um, and and this is a question that I pretty much ask every YA author because I'd like to hear about um, their thoughts on it. And the idea of seeing yourself in in fiction mm. um, is is interesting to me, and I I'd like to hear what you think about that, like. The, the process of a writer writing obviously means that there is very specific things that you have in mind in a story in the way that you tell your story. Um, so so describe to me how do you think that fits in with what you do, like your kind of writing? And and the the expectation, I suppose, that um, some people have of wanting to see themselves in, in some media. Yeah, look, I'm, you know, I'm a white woman. Mm. I'm very aware of that. Um there's a whole lot of privilege that goes with that and, you know, I'm of a particular age and I'm from a, in a very wealthy country. So there's a whole lot of stuff I um, have to unpack when I, when I write if I, want to, um, if I want to be, you know, access and to explore a world different from my own. I'm already kind of um, – I have to be mindful of the fact mm. that, that this is, um, you know, th- th- that I'm carrying all this p- privilege. Um, so – I live in Melbourne though and Melbourne is a really diverse and interesting place and my life, my friends, the people around me, my children um, and their friends come from a range of different backgrounds and different abilities and different spaces and different um, and, and have all kinds of individual challenges whether it's with mental health or mm. intellectual difference or whatever. Um, so I try, you know, I try to represent what I see and what my life is in these books as much as I can, um, which 
it's probably comes in the form of incidental diversity rather than making it the primary voice. I don't feel um, I have the right at the moment. Like I don't feel like I've done the time or effort in any particular um, kind of difference, I think, yet. So mm. I, it's a really tricky area, I think, sure. and um, one that I we're in a bit of a, it's a bit of a hot topic at the moment. Absolutely, and um, and there's a lot of blowback from people um, who don't feel they're being represented or ha- stories being mm-hmm. written by people who aren't um, of that particular culture or that background. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty it's an interesting time, and I do think we're probably in a transitional space sure. at the moment, but. Um, look, I just the other part of that, and you know, the identity politics is such a big deal, particularly for young people. The other part of that is we're all kind of lots of whole lot of stuff that no, not anybody knows about, and um, you know, there are probably very few people who haven't had some experience of mental health in their own life, or a, at least a period where you know they were not at their healthiest or ex- saw things or experienced things. That There's a kind don't. of universality. Though. I think yeah. there is, and. So, and even in sexuality for a lot of us, mm. you know, that, that's not always, that's not a con- always a constant for everybody. And so I think we are made up of lots of different things and assumptions about a person's background based on what they look like or their last name or all of those things is r- deeply problematic anyway. So I just think of we're course, yeah. still feeling our way through this space at the moment. Absolutely. Well, when you say it's transitional, what, what kind of, um, well, obviously it is transitional, but what, what do you envision it turning into? Well, I just think once those voices that have not been heard um, as much are elevated Mm -hmm. and there is room made and they are not the rarity or the exception, they become um, as, you know... that that, part of everyone. Yeah, that's that's a a common experience and people are listening more and and able to um, incorporate all those different different experiences in their own work. I think then there's room for everybody and Mm -hmm. also crossing into areas that perhaps you have not had personal experience from. I think, or personal experience about, I think, um, you know, there there have been, there's been massive blowback in particular um, for certain books and certain authors who have um, impinged on space that they're not considered their own. And Mm. I don't think that will continue indefinitely. I think that it's just that until those voices, particularly like Indigenous voices in this country, have are elevated to a level where they do get the respect, they get the readership um, that they deserve, then it'll be less problematic um, for people to explore outside of their own space. To allow for a bit more like a... What was it you have in your blog? Cultural appropriation? <laughs> <laughs> to allow people to actually... Positive cultural from appropriation. different cultures mm. without cultural getting in trouble for it. incorporation would be incorporation. nicer. Yeah, mm. yeah. Where, where it stops being appropriation, it starts being a, an inevitable part of being in a mixed cultural world and space. Yeah. Share and share alike. Yeah. Um, well, it's fantastic to have you, Nicole. And I just realized it's nearly 50 minutes already <laughs> we've been talking. We've had a great time. It's been um, Thank you so much for coming on, Nicole. Can you tell us what you've got coming up for us? Books, uh, launches, blog so, posts? Yeah, I do. I can. Thank you. I've got um, – so my new novel, Shadow's Breath, is um, – I'm doing bits and pieces, mostly writing about that. So that's probably just mm. easier to check out my website to see what, what's coming out about that. From doing Melbourne Writers' Festival uh, schools program, uh, footy stuff. I'm also part of a podcast called The Outer Sanctum. 
and we are an all-female um, Australian Rules, Australian Football podcast, um, which I am going to record tomorrow. We and that goes live every Thursday. So um, and that's hosted by the ABC. We've got lots of stuff going on with the Outer Sanctum, and part of that's this Melbourne Rise Festival program. Um, and I'm doing a festival, a couple of libraries along the way too. So you know, check out my um, my website, I guess, and my social media, and you'll find me. Mm-hmm. So website and social media? Uh, yeah, website's Nicole Hayes. God, I can't remember. Author.com. But my, um, follow me, my Twitter's at Nick H. Melbourne, N-I-C-H Melbourne. Um, and Facebook's Nicole.Hayes.71619, which is stupid. So just look up Nicole Hayes Author <laughs> and you'll find me. I think there's links. So yeah, yeah you should be at, Twitter's the best one. You'll yep. be able to find me there. Just Google. Go- Google me. You'll, Google yeah. me. Yep. Right. Top uh, result. And you'll end up with this Twitter's golfing photographer. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've Googled Twitter's myself. The one I kind of missed. What was the Twitter one again? The Twitter is Nick H. Melbourne. Melbourne, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Fantastic. But if you search Nicole Hayes, I come up. So. Beautiful. <laughs> and that's Hayes with an E in there. H-A-Y-E-S. Mm-hmm. There you go. Luke, social media, where can people find you? What have you got coming up? Uh, you can still find me at the Soul Shard on Twitter, at uh, not at it's uh, thesoulshard.com on um, my website, and I've, I'm trying to have something very exciting come up in October. That's right. But I'm still keeping it kind of. I'm not really announcing hush, what hush. it is yet. So beautiful. Um, should it, I'm very excited about it. It's very vague. <laughs> <laughs> it's an announcement of an announcement. One of those things that I'm excited yeah. about. So uh, some of the new stories I've been writing and working on. So nice. A uh, couple of collections, hopefully. So. Beautiful. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Fantastic. Um, you can find The Morning Bell, themorningbell.com.au. Um, we're doing some interesting stuff at the moment that we hopefully will be able to announce later on the year. Um, another announcement of an announcement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just how it, how it goes in this industry. Um, you can find my work on thepenofjoel.com. I just put up a um, Sammy Rambly article about H.P. Lovecraft uh, and his legacy on fantasy, science fiction, and horror, um, where I talk about, you know, his his writing journey and how an incredibly successful shut-in author um, changed his style over time. And it's just, it's, you know, I just, I like mind games. It's not um, half bad either, so you should read it. Oh, there you go. Well, thank you. Um, I hope you do read it. Uh, you can also find me at The Pen of Joel on Twitter, and we'll have a podcast for you in two weeks. So look out for that as well. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.